Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I was depressed, I was having panic attacks, but I was also getting paranoid. Yeah. I was getting extremely paranoid. If you're not intentional about dealing with your trauma, mm. cycles will continue. And it's only when it's too late that you realize you've become just like the thing that you despise. Yes. I don't just want to be surviving and I don't just want to be barely functional. Barely. I want to be happy. Mm. <laughs> I actually want to be happy and mm. I want to feel whole. That is not a luxury. That is a necessity. Hello and welcome to the Two My Sisters podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Renee and we are your online big sisters and hosts of the Two My Sisters podcast. We are all about promoting the wellness, growth and development of a community of sisters across the world. In today's conversation, we're going to be talking about childhood trauma, navigating your brokenness and exploring the ways in which we can intentionally seek wholeness and healing without breaking others in the process. I feel like I could hear the sigh of our listeners just heavily. It's the weightiness. One. This is a heavy one. The weightiness. But hey ho, we're sticking to ourselves and our authenticity mm-hmm. with this one. And I think that it's such an important topic considering how much of an impact it has on our lives. Yeah. So. I'm not going to lie. My heart. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a, it's very close to, it's very close to my heart. It's very close to home. So yeah. Likewise, man. Likewise, man. Let's get it popping. So I think the first way into this meaty topic Mm. is to ask the question, what does a stable family look like and why is it important to have stability in a family? Right. So I... Oh, this is heavy because I feel like I've never really seen one. (laughs) And I think a lot of us haven't. I think a lot of us haven't. And there's... This is not to say that there is a perfect family, right? There is no definite, this is not your white picket fence, nuclear family image. That's not what we're saying, you know, housewife, dad goes out to work, stuff like that. There there is no one cookie cutter um, example of a perfect, stable family. Mm. A stable, or sorry, the perfect family. A stable family is a family that I would say is led by people who are very, stable in who they are Mm. who have great processes and practices to deal with um any present dysfunction or feelings of hurt or have great communication Mm -hmm. um and have great processes to just sustain and also grow and lead an entire family unit um, and therefore encourage and are an example to people younger to younger than them, such as children yeah. of how to also form these healthy habits of communication, mm-hmm. healthy habits of leadership, healthy habits of a great sense of self and self-esteem mm. um, in order to just create a very strong unit that loves one another, mm. where every individual also loves themselves and therefore really just create a strong bond and a strong sense of identity a, a small community and then go mm. off and impact the world in a positive way yeah that's what i would say no i definitely agree and i think that we're not saying that stable families 
lack dysfunction. Yes. We're saying that stable families often have people that are committed to dealing with dysfunction as committed it appears. to. And that isn't just the hallmark of a stable family yeah. but that's the hallmark of a stable relationship right yeah. it's that ongoing commitment to dealing with issues problems and dysfunction as it arises yeah and it's i think it's very important that you said that the stable family unit doesn't necessarily look like a thing it's rather characteristics right. because oftentimes when we think of perfect family and you know things like that we conjure up an image mm-hmm. but an image is literally 2d it's flat yeah it doesn't have any color it doesn't have any right. substance so i think even in conceptualizing this whole idea of the stable family we need to move away from thinking of you know as you said white picket fence right patriarchy dad goes out to work all that kind of good stuff and actually look at the characteristics of healthy relationships transcribed on multiple landscapes of families and i think stability is in my opinion comfort Mm. you're comfortable to express yourself as you said communication is key you're comfortable such that if things were to go wrong there are processes in place there are ideologies, there are people in place mm. that you would be able to go to within that family unit. Yes. And again, this is not to say that breaks won't happen yes. or, you know, trauma won't occur. I think it's fanciful to believe that there is a family unit that does not cause any kind of trauma. Right. Because by virtue of being humans, we are flawed. Mm. We deal with trauma all the time, mm. every day. And it's really difficult for these things not to leak into our, you know, family relationships. Mm. So I think stability is all of these things and to seek stability is not to seek an image but to seek a state of being and communion with people yes and i think yeah the emphasis definitely needs to move towards characteristics process and growth as opposed to image because i think when we think of you know perfect families that's what creates trauma and dysfunction yes yeah. that's what does it yeah like thinking about some of you know i guess we're getting real and raw here and all, really all that are. vulnerable stuff but <laughs> thinking about my own family unit oftentimes because my parents felt the pressure to adhere to this perfect family image of yeah you know man is provider yeah woman is domesticated it led to so much trauma mm. unintentionally mm. isn't it funny that oftentimes when we try to avoid trauma we cause more trauma yes and all of these unnecessary pressures to to appear as though you are you know the perfect family can lead to so much pain and suffering caused to keep up an image and it's crazy because god actually bless our parents but sometimes the things that we think we are doing in you know the hope of looking after our kids or like growing our kids and stuff like that becomes so redundant within Mm -hmm. like the next few like the next literally the next few years right Mm -hmm. thinking about like you know what was considered healthy in our parents generation when you compare that with the things that we think are acceptable in our generation right vastly different right vastly different i mean thinking about like my family like i've mentioned in previous episodes both of my parents are african Mm. and in many cultures that particularly for like the roles of men and women right Mm. men weren't necessarily as open as women in touch with their feelings they were typically you know the masculine one who you know fended for the family and stuff like that and it's only more recently and being in the West that we're now talking about things like male suicide and right. male mental health and all that stuff. Similarly with women, I mean, 
we're a lot more well we're typified as a lot more you know emotional creatures and whatnot naturally but even then now those values in comparison to them vastly different yeah so even just that you know generational tension in of itself can cause unintended trauma yeah because whilst many of our parents think that they're helping us or trying to you know nurture us they're actually actively facilitating our destruction (laughs) and that sounds so dramatic (laughs) it sounds so dramatic and i think that's why in terms of like stability and um raising a family Mm. adaptability needs to be one of the core core elements that you build your family on because the context will change the generation will change many of us are you know patting ourselves on the back in this generation saying we're more woke Mm. we're more accepting of certain Mm. things but by the time that you have your kids some of the practices that you're engaging with right now could be considered toxic exactly what then exactly what then and i think what's so pivotal is what you said in terms of it made me think of this image of when you try to force something into a mold which naturally doesn't fit into it Mm. you break it Mm. and I think a lot of us spend time wanting to think about our parents or wanting to think about our children or our partners as you need to fit into this specific mold you need to fit into the fantasy the idea and the perfect ideals that I have and the images I have in my head of what a perfect partner or a perfect child or a perfect parent will be yeah And in that, we break people in the sense of we don't actually allow them to process through who they are, Mm. not who you're trying to make them into, but who they actually are with their multifaceted nature, with their past and their history and the the history that they have passed through. Mm. We don't allow people to process and understand themselves before we try to make them into the perfect thing for us yeah forget who you are i just need you to be for me and i think what's important is like you said i think our parents often and similarly i'm a child of the diaspora Mm. they don't allow themselves to process through their own personal pains their own personal grievances their own personal experiences and disappointments or successes Mm. before they try to be the perfect image of something yeah right they want to be the the perfect parent through what their understanding of it is and they won't let you see their humanity Mm. and in that we also don't give them the grace of human beings because at the end of the day you're presenting to me that you want to be this perfect person i'll hold you up to that standard the issue is you've put yourself up against an impossible standard something that you'll never be able to meet so then you get this contention of i'm disappointed in myself as someone who missed the mark and i'm also disappointed in you as someone who missed the mark but the issue is why does this mark even exist Mm, why is there this idea of i'm just whatever i say goes you're a human being with a perspective (laughs) and of course i respect you and of course i will i have to follow you i my life has been trusted in your hands clearly but there has to be room (laughs) for growth here (laughs) there has to be room to understand that you as a human being are also evolving. Like you said, there are things that you've never seen before, but also the way you're acting now isn't this objective parent manual. 
the way you're acting now, the way you're raising me as a as a child is hugely dictated by your entire history. Yeah. And unfortunately, you're not processing that very well. Nope. You're not allowing yourself to actually take a step back to think, this is how I was raised. Mm. This is how my parents were raised. This is the, the economic structure of the household that I was raised in. This is what I was exposed to. This is what I understand about discipline. Yeah. You don't allow yourself to think about those things. You're closed off emotionally to that and now you just expect me to understand who you are <laughs> i don't know who you are <laughs> I, I don't know you're, you're just my mom or you're just my dad yeah. you're not another human being yeah you're not a person with a story yeah you actually just have a role yeah your mom your dad your name is just mom <laughs> that's it that's it you know a lot of us grew up what's the point of knowing your parents first name like i remember when i found out my mom's first name i was like wow <laughs> that adds a new dynamic to you like I, I literally found that in my teens so um i am of funny. the i am of the ashanti tribe yeah. right and we are known for for old historical reason naming our children after the days of the week yeah before they are given their actual name yeah um so my mum. I grew up knowing that my mum's name's Akua, right? Mm-hmm. Her name's Akua, which means she was born on a Wednesday. Yeah. Actually, my mum's name is Yah. She was born on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I never knew this is she never told me. She was oh. like, oh yeah, no, my name's actually Yah. I found this out when I was 16. So like, my wow. name's actually Yah, but my actual given name is Akua. And I thought, in that moment, why am I learning facts about my mum at 16 (laughs) this is very random to me and I I, it then made me take a step back because we'll probably go into this deeper in the conversation Mm. me and my parents I have gone through a whole healing process (laughs) (laughs) my whole life and this is why family is so close to my heart my Mm. whole life has been trying to understand family Mm -hmm. and the dysfunctions and how to avoid that um from my own personal experiences and in that moment of learning my mum's name it just made me realize I don't really know who you are apart Mm. from mum or mummy as I call her right you're my mummy and I don't know you apart from that you know you go to work I don't really know anything about your work life I Mm. I don't know really about your history I don't know about the things you went through so when you then lash out about certain things I don't understand why you're lashing out at me yeah when you when you cry about certain things i don't understand why you're crying so now there's this distance between us because i don't actually know you as a human being so when you show human emotions i feel like you're just wilding out Mm. you're just moving mad no i definitely get that no i can definitely definitely relate to that and it's funny how as you were saying when our parents try to live up to this perfect image and this perfect standard of parenthood that it completely dehumanizes them and actually actively starts to chip away at that relationship that Mm. they could have had with their kids. I think the same thing happened to me with my dad, whereas when I was younger, it actually happened in reverse, really, insofar as like, well, not reverse, slightly different, Mm. I would say. When I was younger, my father was my superhero. I would ask him, I was that curious kid that would ask him 10 million questions Mm. about things that just were irrelevant. Dad, why why is the sun that color? Why is the sky blue? You know, the ancient Egyptians. And he would patiently answer every single question I would have because he was so knowledgeable and intelligent about these things. But it was only as I started to grow older and started to hear the stories of the things that they had been through 
I started to get really, really resentful towards mm. my parents because I had believed that they were these superheroes. I had believed that everything was fine when yeah. they were literally just hiding it all. It was kind of like entering into a bedroom that looked clean, but then when you removed the bed sheets of the cover, all of the dust had been swept, yeah. swept under. Yeah. And I think... Many of us equate healthy relationships to sweeping dust under the rug. But that's not healthy. That's yes. traumatic. Ooh. We shouldn't hide because, you know, again, life isn't perfect. Things happen. And, you know, really traumatic episodes have occurred to me and my family, particularly my parents. Mm. Like the journey that they have been through coming from Africa mm. to now settle down here. And mm. then, you know, their personal traumas. The fact that they... I was more offended at the fact that they had tried to hide these things alongside, you know, the fact that they had a story, but specifically right. the things that they had gone through, right. the dust under the rug. For me, that hurt a lot because I think that's just such a fundamental part of the human experience right. is suffering. And it's something that growing up, I started to struggle with because I had begun to internalize well if you're suffering you keep quiet right and it's such a brilliant segue onto the next kind of like big idea that I think we should grapple with mm. which is how does the trauma that we experience as children manifest in adulthood right so in what ways do the things that we see and we experience and yeah just things that become part of our lives when we're younger how do these things translate onto us growing up yeah I think it's it's obviously like many things a multitude of things mm. I think for me when like you said I think our parents of course want to be the pillars of our family mm. especially our mothers mm. or yeah in most cases for me it was my mother mm. so they want to be the person who and they need to be the person who everybody else can go to and lean on they cater to everybody else's needs they make sure they they serve everybody else yeah in doing that in order for people to depend on you you tell yourself you must be strong and you must be dependable people need to be able to to lean on you mm. and therefore you cannot show weakness because then you won't be able to fulfill your ideal function yeah i can't help people if I'm displaying brokenness so I think what I saw growing up was I can't show you my weaknesses mm. I can't show you when I'm struggling mm. um, and when you do become exposed to that it frustrates me because then I cannot live up to what I consider to be a good parent yeah in that it modeled to me that when you go through something, when you go through suffering, when you experience trauma, you don't talk about it. Mm. If you want to be not just respected, but if you want to be functional, you cannot go back into the past to heal. It's a waste of time. Yeah. You need to just keep on pressing forward and show these supernatural levels of strength and almost like nothing affects you people's words people's actions people's negligence people's um disappointment they don't affect you you're just moving forward you're taking it as 
that's just what life is and I think what I started to do was have that attitude towards life Mm. and when I got to 16 I started to develop well to be honest I've I've think I've battled with depression um I think I battled with depression from when I was about 10 years old Mm. And it wasn't until I was 16, and you saw it as well, that my yeah. mental health really started to like, yes, yeah, sis, this yeah. is going down the toilet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I started to realize that I was to the point where I wasn't just depressed and I, I was I was depressed. I was having panic attacks, but I was also getting paranoid. Yeah. I was getting extremely paranoid. Um, and I started to realize it was because I had bottled up all of these events and traumas all the things that i had seen that had scared me that had genuinely made me feel like i was not safe Mm. all the things that i had um been unable to talk to my parents about or been unable to talk to a sibling about that Mm. i just had to and you it's not like you can go to school because they will call childline you know and it's not (laughs) it's not like your parents can afford that heat on their back oh they can't (laughs) they can't so you can't tell anyone about the things that your experiences, the pressures that you're feeling. And I was the oldest daughter in my household. I have older sisters, but I didn't live with them. So in my household, it was like my mum had to depend, like had to depend on me to do certain things as well in order to make sure our household could function, especially in regards to taking care of my younger sister. And that immense amount of pressure, I was never able to talk about it with anybody because what my mum had taught me was that's the same pressure she had to live with when she was a child and she's been able to make it out. So I dare not break under that sort of pressure. Mm. And so of course those those are not the words that she used. (laughs) She didn't threaten me. That was just (laughs) the example that was shown. And so when I got to 16 and I realized that the reason why my mental health is, did, and I'm a very, I'm a very self-aware person. The way I think it's very weird. So <laughs> I can literally just sit down and take, it's almost like I'm having an um, outer body experience. Like I'll just think about myself yeah. and just critically evaluate it, what's going on. So I, it's almost like I'm my own therapist. And I've mm-hmm. been like that since I was a child. Um, I started to realize it's because I have all of these um trapped unprocessed pains in my heart and in my soul that I'm getting this way it's now really manifesting in my body yeah right yeah and what I started to realize was I don't want to go through that same cycle because what I'm also noticing is this didn't particularly work for my mom I mean whilst they may tell you that hey well we've been able to survive that's all that they were doing. <laughs> they were surviving. They are not Speak happy. On it. Right? Speak they on are it. not happy. And so when I got to 16, I realized, hold on, I don't just want to be surviving and I don't just want to be barely functional. Barely. I want to be happy. Mm. <laughs> I actually want to be happy and mm. I want to feel whole. That is not a luxury. That is a necessity. Oh, and I don't so presently good. have it. Mm. right so I sit, sat there and I realized what's what what do I need to do in order to achieve that and I said I need to start talking about my pains mm. to my mom's absolute disgust <laughs> I became the most transparent and vulnerable person there is mm. I would just tell anyone anything I remember I'd go to school and I'll just tell like the heads of my ear this is what I'm going through at home and I was at that age where it's kind of like do you want us to call the police no <laughs> no but this is what I've been through Hello, this is what line. I've seen can I make a report <laughs> I've just had a conversation 
<laughs> I didn't fear that, to be honest. And or I would talk to my friends mm. and I'd be like, this is what I've been through. Mm. This is what I've seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people start thinking like, okay, why are you talking about this in a public space? I, I used to be that person. I'll just bring up things like, you know, things like domestic violence. Yeah, I remember. Like, oh my <laughs> gosh. People just used to be like, is everything okay? It's just Courtney being Courtney. <laughs> it's Courtney being Courtney. Because I realized that in me talking about it, it was so common to everybody else. Yeah. And I realized this isn't something I should be ashamed about. Actually, a bigger threat is not that this happened to me or this is what I saw. Yeah. It's that no one talks about it. Oh, for sure. And my it brought, I'm not going to lie, that moment of when I decided I'm going to be very transparent and I'm going to work through my healing by acknowledging what I've seen mm-hmm. and acknowledging how it made me feel and working from that, mm. it really grinded my parents' gears. Yeah. Because to them why are you airing out your dirty laundry yes 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 why are you talking about things that should remain in these four walls Mm. this is taboo what you're actually saying is we're not good parents i'm not saying you're not good parents i'm actually saying you're human beings yeah and me processing through this has helped me now be able to look at you and realize that i need to forgive you Mm -hmm. this isn't me fighting an un winnable battle against somebody who cannot change this is me actually experiencing somebody else's life story as well and they have been unable to process through that they may not have had the luxuries I have of being 16 and being presented with these issues and being able to take a break or not have enough you know responsibility Mm -hmm. that I can take time to think about my mental health and I can take time to just sit there and process through what I've seen and what I've experienced maybe for them there was no such thing you know, you've got to worry about taking care of your parents, taking care of a sick parent at that, taking care of six other siblings. Mm. And now it allowed me to actually have grace for that. Yeah. And realize that, okay, you actually, because I used to, when I grew up, it's so funny. She's <laughs> gonna, if my mom ever listens to this, she's going to hate me even for saying it. <laughs> I used to grow up thinking my mom hated me, mm. that she regretted having me. Yeah. And in growing up, It wasn't until I went through these processes of really processing through my own childhood trauma and then trying to really get her to let her guards down and having these conversations that I realized you don't hate me. You've been through a lot. Yeah. You have been through a lot. If I had been through what you've been through, I wouldn't have done half the stuff you've done. I would have killed many people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep it. it real. This is it. So for me childhood trauma leads to broken people in the sense that if parents don't deal with their childhood trauma yep they raise broken children yeah for sure because you can only instill in someone something you possess yeah whether that's that's a sense of hope a sense of self-awareness a sense of vulnerability Mm. um and like you said then building the space and the environment to be able to allow that child to tell you what's going on Mm -hmm. but if you don't do that because you haven't done that for yourself Mm -hmm. that child is just going to replicate exactly this everything that you're going through and that will oftentimes that's not your parents intentions i remember when i told my mom i'm depressed when i was 17 i tried to commit suicide she was distraught how has it got to this stage and i wasn't aware Mm. it's not because you're trying to be a mean person it's you're not realizing that even though you're trying your best, Sally, your best ain't it. 
right? <laughs> and the, the thing, and so nobody is denying that you love me enough to try your best. Mm-hmm. I'm not denying that. Mm-hmm. What I'm telling you is the way you're doing things is dysfunctional, yeah. right? So it's not your effort that I'm criticizing; it's the direction. Yeah. How about you? Ooh, Charles Courtney. Opening a whole can of worms there. Um, oh, there were so many things that were running through my mind as you were speaking. And I think the first like top line was just how trauma is generational. Yes. How many of our parents are dealing with their own childhood trauma yeah. now. Yeah. In fact, some of them are not dealing with it at all. And some of them are even dealing with the trauma of their parents, parents, parents' trauma. Yeah. I remember reading a book by a guy called Mark Wallen called It Didn't Start With You. Mm. And how the trauma experienced by somebody many, many years ago, some uncle or aunt or grandma or whatever, can set in motion literally a generation of pain Mm. that will literally reverberate across the skies and land in you such that you don't even understand why your response to certain things Mm. is that way. But it's actually been something that's inscribed in your way of being, like your genes. And... That's all the more reason why we need to start the process now as soon as possible, because if you are the kind of person that, you know, wants to have a family and, you know, have children, you owe it to them to have some kind of some kind of wholeness before embarking on that journey of raising them. In terms of like my own childhood trauma and how like that has manifested throughout my life. So one thing that I constantly experienced, like secondhand through my parents, Mm. but also in my own journey was lack of control. Mm. So the fact that, you know, things were always unstable. There was like certain times when I was much, much younger where it was like you never knew where the next meal was coming from or you didn't really have a stable roof over your Mm. head and all that kind of all that kind of stuff and eventually that would lend itself to periods of depression or there was even a time where I actively had an eating disorder because Mm. that was the only thing I could control at the time literally the only thing it was like sometimes our reaction to trauma is to try and reverse it to the extreme yeah so in my case it was okay I've had lack of control all my life I'm going to try and control as much as possible, literally everything down to a T. Mm. And in some ways it's really good because it makes you super motivated and you're like, let me like make use of all of the factors that are under my disposal and like max it all out. But then when you take it to the extreme as a result of the extreme opposite that you, you experienced, it can lead to a lot more brokenness (laughs) in the end. And for me as well, that whole if you speak your week mm. was so embedded in my family culture that to even talk about how you were feeling was almost like it was a problem. It yes. was just a problem. Like you're just weak. Like, yes. why are you crying? Dry your tears. Like stop that right Honestly. this moment. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with crying. There's nothing wrong with recognizing that you're upset. Mm. And for me, it, it, led to periods of my life where when my reaction to something that had offended me or made me upset was I was actually upset. Mm. Initially, I would just stifle it. Mm. Thinking under the guise of me being a stoic or self-aware and it's like I can control my emotions, not knowing that I was just making deposits such that one day the reserve would break and everything would flow through. Like I could, back in those days, I could spend days in my room just upset and processing and crying because there were so many little upsets that I had let I had yeah. just said yep 
bank it, store yeah. it, close it, bank it, store it. That when I finally got upset, it was overwhelming. Yeah. Like I couldn't even begin to, like, I remember the times that I got so upset. Oh, God bless my friend at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was so upset and I couldn't even vocalize how upset I was feeling. They were like, what's wrong? What's wrong? When mm. I, I couldn't even look them in the eye. I couldn't mm. say anything. I was so handicapped by the sense of loss yeah. and emotion and deep sadness that I couldn't even articulate why I was upset. Yeah. Like I couldn't even cry properly. It was almost like my voice was trapped yeah. inside my, my throat. And after about like half an hour <laughs> of like shock, Thinking back to it now, it was more so PTSD, an episode yes. of PTSD yeah. because I was literally in shock, shaking. Like, why am I so upset at this mm. little thing? Not realizing that it was a buildup of all of the emotions that I had trapped in for so long. Yeah. And it was from that moment on that I was like, I need to start talking about what I'm feeling. Yeah. I need to start taking the steps to overcome this reaction this coping mechanism because that's the thing many of us instead of dealing with our traumas we develop coping mechanisms oh, and they there. are temporary coping mechanisms because they, we will hit a breaking point we will hit a breaking point we seek instant gratification yeah. you know some people's vices might be their you know excessive alcohol it right. might be drugs it might be you know um it could be literally anything, anything. it could be you know going on relationship after relationship yeah. you want to call them relationships yeah. it might be you know it manifests in different ways but it's all down to the same thing you haven't dealt with your past traumas exactly. and you're now projecting in some way and it's so sad because oftentimes as a result of that projection you're causing more destruction along the way it's like a tornado yeah, yeah. it's like your childhood trauma fuels the tornado and then yeah. when you finally let rip everything breaks in the warpath yeah it's it's self it's self-sabotage literally you sabotage everything Ugh. and you don't even realize you're in that cycle and like you said everything breaks everything everything breaks in the process of it everything breaks and then it's funny because oftentimes like if you're not intentional about dealing with your trauma mm. cycles will continue and it's only when it's too late that you realize you've become just like the thing that you despise yes yes it's so funny that many of us are kind of like, like many of us that are dealing with childhood trauma. I don't want to be like my parents. I don't want to do this mm. that way. But it's often by the time you have done it that way, by the time that you've finished, you've actually just repeated the cycle. Exactly. You've literally just repeated the cycle. And exactly. It's so, so like even thinking through it now and like just talking <laughs> through it right now, it's crazy yeah. to think how many broken people there are as a result of, the trauma that they dared not speak of. Yeah. And I think it's mainly because fear makes a very bad leader. Oh, yeah. And this is where a lot of people get it wrong in being scared of becoming like your mom or becoming like your dad. Mm. What you're doing is letting fear drive you away from something. Yeah. The problem is fear doesn't drive you to something. Yeah. Right. You don't then have a vision of what functional healthy parenthood looks like yeah you yep. just have a feeling of what it would be like to not be under that oppression or under that pain or within that harmful structure anymore yeah and so you then become kind of aimless where you're just running away but you're not running to anything exactly and a lot of people don't take that time to really assess okay then what does a healthy uh 
household look like mm. because oftentimes a lot of people haven't been exposed to it you know yeah. if your household is going through a, a whole bunch of issues probably your aunties and uncles are also going through a whole bunch of issues <laughs> so are your godparents um and so who are you going to who are you going to to see a healthy relationship unless you get access somehow yeah. to something that is um more more functional such as through a mentor or through a neighbor or something like that mm. so what it then takes is taking a step back to see okay what is something functional and not just desiring it but what do I now need to dig up and then actually develop within myself to create that yeah because it's not just going to happen with me wishing for it right Mm. I can't just speak a good husband into existence or speak a good child into existence no I need to actually work on myself Mm. to make sure that I can build that and sustain it when I get there because it's not just a wish this is going to take work you're you're unearthing and you're really digging up like you said generations and generations and generations of bad behavior and of bad cycles and of learnt decision making and processing yeah right this is the way we react to things and so if you don't now learn to really actually train your mind to think a different way because most of these things they're immediate right it's it's actually you're faced with an issue oftentimes your reaction is almost subconscious. Yep, exactly. The way you deal with things is subconscious. You immediately close up. You don't make this conscious decision to close up because Mm. you know you'd rather speak out. Mm. But because of the way your mind has been trained and your heart has been trained for your whole life, this is the way you immediately react to things. It's your reflex. Mm. You actually have to retrain your mind and your reflexes to react the opposite way. And that takes time, that takes intentionality and that takes a whole heap of self-awareness. And so if you've got to cry, cry and allow yourself to pass through that process. If you have to be really real with yourself about going into those dusty closets where the skeletons are and really uncovering those. And oftentimes it's these momentary memories that we remember. Mm -hmm. The time that someone told you no or the time that somebody told you to toughen up Mm. or the time that let's keep it real your parents slapped you like you'll (laughs) remember that fragment of a moment and you just bury it yeah as just yeah it was something that happened but those things build up and they become the catalog of your life yeah and if you don't take time to review that what happens is it becomes the bank that and the reserve that you have to pull every future reference from. Yeah, right? exactly. So the, ne- the next thing, how do you deal with disciplining your child? Mm. Your only bank of references in your catalogue is your give them a backhand. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? And so you don't just not replicate these things because you want to, you actively have to unlearn mm. and be intentional about the unlearning mm-hmm. and the relearning of new structures. Yeah. Ooh. A whole ass mixtape. <laughs> we love to see it. All right, to close out, ma'am, one question. Mm -hmm. Let's see if we can do this. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness me. (sighs) But how can we reach resolution as broken people? (sighs) Is it possible? Yes, it is. Most 100%. I completely believe in wholeness can be achieved. Yep. Um, Healing can be achieved. Yep emotionally mentally physically whatever it is Mm. first of all you need to learn to love and care for yourself enough to give yourself the time to Mm. heal yeah 
because this isn't something that's going to take overnight and the most detrimental mindset you can have towards it is me taking this time out to heal is selfish yep because that will hugely derail you so you have to really realize okay i actually deserve to be whole yeah you know and i deserve to be happy um not because of anything i've done to achieve it but because i can have it and i deserve yeah and i deserve deserve it. it that that's it and that was one of the biggest things i used to really struggle with because i used to that word deserve Mm -hmm. is a word that i find really hard to understand in my mind when people used to ask me like oh like you know why were you so upset and for a long time and you didn't really do anything because i found it hard to believe that i deserve to be happy because to me the word deserve means i've worked for it but there are some things you just need to have it is yours to have happiness is one of them yeah right or joy is one of them and so really just say it out loud now i deserve to be happy don't try to rationalize it it's just it's the truth it's the fact and i'm here to tell you in your ears you deserve to be happy so now you need to take time and give yourself that time to start processing through what's my story yeah and that was the thing that really like okay if i had to write a story about my life from my earliest memory or my my earliest understanding of myself till now what's my story Mm. and see how you frame the narrative of who you are yeah because we've been alive for thousands of days right so you're not going to remember every day it's important to pay attention to what you remember yeah what do you remember and what has framed your self-perception yeah if somebody asked you to describe yourself how would you do why it? how would you do it how would you tell your story if it was on a big screen mm. and the reason why i say that is a really good activity is like i said it's all about self-perception what has defined who you are now mm. and what experiences and times and periods in your life are you using to define who you are now yeah, yeah. right and really process through that the things that you remember the things you're trying to bury away the things you wouldn't want anybody to know about mm-hmm. you but you think about all the time yeah um the the late night private struggles yeah the um thoughts that you have about yourself about your life about your future your fears your anxieties write it all down and really get to know yourself mm. Re- don't just assume you know who you are because there's a lot you think and feel that you haven't processed through mm. and actually you're not aware of consciously yeah they're oftentimes subconscious feelings and try and put words to them um i think it can be very hard uh to to find words for your experiences especially if you're in a really raw place so i think it's it's good to just take time to allow yourself to this is sounds also airy fairy i promise um but it's allow yourself to feel those things Mm. once you do i did this process by myself but i would highly recommend you find someone to do it with so whether that be a friend a sister um a mentor or a therapist Hmm. find somebody who you can talk through those events with and talk through your behavior and your reaction your fears in this particular season of your life and Hmm. realize how that has really been rooted in what you've been through before right so find somebody who you can really talk it through with some people are better at journaling um, I don't really like to write like that. Mm. So I love to speak. So I will literally put my notes on and just speak 
as if I was talking to somebody that was before I could afford to go therapy so I would just do it as if I, I was just speaking to somebody and I'd listen to it back and think wow like this is really a lot to unpack mm. um and once you start doing that this is this is not going to take a week this is a lifelong thing self-awareness is pivotal Mm-hmm. You need to be able to catch yourself when you're slipping back into dysfunctional tendencies and brokenness, yeah. um, especially paying attention to what triggers you, who triggers you and why you were triggered by something that someone said or did or did not do or did not say. Um, so that would be mine. Self-awareness is the beginning of all of this and really taking time to study yourself yes that's me how about yourself how do we reach a resolution as broken people and is it possible i think it's possible i think you hit the nail on the head insofar as talking about the fact that this is a lifelong journey sometimes we're always in a rush to seem whole not knowing that we're probably breaking ourselves up even more by forcing ourselves to be whole and as you said self-awareness is so pivotal so i'm actually the opposite i'm a journal Mm -hmm. journal type girl being a writer (laughs) and it's nice sometimes you need to like split yourself apart to be able to analyze yourself so for you it's the whole like recording yourself and speaking out loud for me it's the whole I write and then I read back my journal Mm. and I start to think okay so why did I think this at this time yes what was I going through what were the components to this how was I feeling Mm -hmm. and actually writing out how I felt like Mm. did this make me feel angry this this make me feel sad did this make me feel you know broken did this make me feel inadequate yeah so putting as you said words to the feeling to the emotion is really important for processing because mm. you can only deal with what you've named yeah you can only deal with what you've named yeah you can't deal with something that's just in the ether somewhere making you feel some type of way because that's how people start to you know say things like that's just how i am yes because you haven't named it yes you haven't pulled yourself up on it So name the emotion, Mm. define the experience. As Mm. you said, what were the experiences that led you to feeling like this? What people don't realize is when you are a child, children are extremely receptive to Mm. things. They take in things, they absorb things. It may have been a little thing like, you know, catching your um, parent hitting another parent. It may have been a little thing like the the disgust of your parent to another parent. Children catalog these things. What's in your book? What are you hiding? Yeah. What do you do in private mm-hmm. at the dead of night? Mm. What is your, like, what is your response to trauma? Yeah. I think that's, in understanding your response to trauma, then you can start dealing with the trauma itself yes. because you can now identify the root of the problem. And don't think that you're alone in dealing with this. Yeah. Everybody goes through it. Nobody mm. is perfect. As I've, like, we've said this in multiple episodes, everybody has a brand of madness. <laughs> everybody has yeah. a specific brand. Some people have Nike madness. Yeah. Some people, Adidas madness. <laughs> Some people. A special selection. It, custom a sp- made. Custom made madness. <laughs> That's what childhood drama is. It's literally pick your, mm. you know, pick your poison. So, don't think that you're going through this alone. Yeah. This is what everybody has to deal with. And getting comfortable with admitting that yeah. is part of the healing process. Right. Like, I can't tell you how freeing it became when I started to talk actively about some of my pitfalls. I remember a conversation I had with you, Courtney, where I was like, I literally like way back when, because I, like I, I um, explained earlier on mm. in the episode, my 
initial response to trauma is to bury and to hide and to pretend and not to say anything and mine is to speak about everything so you used to get on my absolute last nerve (laughs) there was one time where i was speaking to courtney and i just laid bare everything that i was going Mm. through and she was like wow renee how did it take you this long Mm. to come and tell somebody about this Mm. and it wasn't that you know we were gonna sit there and hatch out a response and a way to deal with everything but just having the space to tell somebody look man i'm hurt yeah and i'm not hurt from something someone did yesterday i'm hurt from something that somebody did 10 years ago yeah and it's eating my soul and just in bearing that and sharing that with you i feel lighter Mm. so for me resolution looks like lightness Mm. feeling lighter feeling good like the weights that you have been carrying unprovoked yeah. on your back. Yeah. <laughs> sharing it out a little, doling out the plates bit by bit. Yeah. And also actively seeking out people that are committed to dealing with their trauma. Mm. Sometimes we can enter relationships with people or like we can do things that are just not conducive to any kind of growth or healing as a way to mask the trauma. Mm. So doing people the service of if you're dealing with trauma and this is not to say that you shouldn't enter a relationship or like you shouldn't like have friends or whatnot but do people the service of letting them know you're dealing with yes you're dealing with trauma this is what i'm dealing with right do people i think that everyone should come with like a little profile sheet like this is what 100 percent. like your tinder profile this is my childhood trauma (laughs) this is my special brand of madness and dm me if yeah. this interests you, then uh, <laughs> hit me up. It's not a problem. We can make something work. But being very upfront, and this is not to say that you should, you know, on a first date or if you're meeting someone yeah. new, you should be like, hey, so, you know, when I was younger, <laughs> you know, my dad put me in a box. Yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't make for good conversation. Right. But right. if if you are like actively trying to cultivate deep meaningful relationships Mm. it's all about the honesty it's all about the transparency it's all about that and the last thing that i want to say quickly before we close this out was (laughs) as you were speaking courtney there was a couple of words that were just coming into my mind insofar as like how do we build stable and healthy family units Mm. and it's not the commitment to being but the commitment to building. Mm, I think so, so many good. of us are so overly focused on, again, looking or being. Stop covering up. Stop looking for people that have arrived. Mm. Look for people to journey with. Stop looking for the perfect husband. Look for someone to build an empire with. Yes. Stop trying to make the perfect children. Journey with them into becoming. This is it. This is a journey we're all building mm. it's a process and that the process of building is how you have a healthy family unit love it well <laughs> that was quite the episode that was heavy that was heavy that was but heavy. we really hope that you guys enjoyed this and of course we really really want to know what are your thoughts on this you can let us know all your thoughts on healing from childhood trauma by adding us on instagram at to my sisterhood and of course hi guys you can always <laughs> say hi to us personally on our pages at courtney.daniela and at renee kapuku 
or tweet us with the hashtag to my sisters and join the sisterhood by signing up to our weekly newsletter so we can grow and glow together we will talk to you very soon and remember keep glowing and growing ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.